You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, Episode 84. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I am pleased to bring you an interview with Andrea Nicholson. And Andrea is a nutrition therapist. And in the interview that you're about to hear, we really put an emphasis on the importance of taking a holistic approach to not just your nutrition, but your health and your life in general. She has all sorts of tips and suggestions to offer you on your weight loss journey, particularly if you feel like you're doing all the things right, but still aren't seeing the results that you expect to. Now, I've really been flirting with this concept of holistic health in my own personal life over the last little while. And as you'll soon hear, Andrea talks about functional testing and different things that you can do to get more information about where you are at on your health journey. Now, I do have to point out that neither Andrea nor I can step in as your personal healthcare provider. And so if you are looking to implement any of these things, please see your own healthcare provider before you do so. Having said that, I would love to tell you about my experience with something that Andrea and I talk about, and that is continuous glucose monitoring. So after Andrea and I did this interview, I was really quite curious. And so I went and purchased myself continuous glucose monitor from Shoppers Drug Mart um, here in Canada, just over the counter. And I've been using it to really learn about how the foods that I choose to eat are affecting my blood glucose levels as I go through the day. And this is because a few months ago at a visit with my family doctor, I was diagnosed with insulin resistance. And as you'll hear in this episode, insulin resistance has no symptoms. It is not something that you know you have without specific testing. Now, I was lucky enough to have a family doctor who provided me with the testing that I needed for this and and not everyone will. And so one of my personal health goals has been to heal my insulin resistance. We do know that you can reverse insulin resistance through diet and exercise. And I am a scientist at heart and I like making decisions based on data. Um, And that data can be how I feel, but also objective data with the things that I'm able to measure. And so I've been able to see how my meals are affecting my, my, my blood glucose and really making more informed decisions around what I eat. And, you know, you've heard me talk about the old diet rule that I have in my head that bread is evil and I shouldn't be eating it. And, you know, this is something that I'm still trying to work with, changing my thoughts around. But when I have clinical shifts in the hospital, I like to take a tuna sandwich. Tuna sandwiches are very satisfying for me. I also find them filling. They're easy to eat quickly because I don't have a lunch break at work. You know, I, I have to, to fit in food, um, you know, over a couple of minutes when I'm able to. And the tuna sandwich just really works for me. And I have every morning, every time I make one of these tuna sandwiches, I have to argue um, in my head about, you know, what the effects of the bread is going to be. And what I've learned since wearing this uh, glucose monitor is that I barely see any changes at all. 
when I have my tuna sandwiches in my blood glucose. And so my body's doing what it's supposed to with this and it works quite well. Now, incidentally, Rob and I made homemade pizzas for dinner the other night. And so I made the dough from scratch. Everything was fresh, um, just a little bit of cheese, not overdoing it on anything. Um, but it was a completely different, um, you know, result on my blood glucose. It shot up higher than it has with anything else. And when I look at what I had on my pizza, it was really just a little bit of cheese and a bunch of veggies. And I had absolutely no protein in my meal. And so I theorized that maybe it was the absence of protein that was causing me um, to have blood sugar spikes. And so as an experiment, I went and had a piece of bread, the same bread that I used to make the tuna sandwiches, but without the tuna, just a piece of bread. And sure enough, I saw my sugars rise. And so, you know, what this has done for me is really armed me with the knowledge that protein is important. And so I am now experimenting with making sure that I'm getting good protein with each and every single one of my meals. And so this is an example of how I've been using um, functional testing to improve my own health. So, you know, once, once again, this is something that I have done for myself in consultation with my own family physician. So if you are looking to make changes like this, again, I suggest that you see your doctor or your other healthcare professional. And so here's just a little bit of, of about Andrea before we dig into the interview. Andrea Nicholson helps people with digestive issues, low energy, and mood swings to identify and implement personalized health and healing solutions so they can get back to living an adventure-filled life. Using over a decade of experience in the health industry with training as a nutrition therapist master and a restorative wellness practitioner, she creates personalized packages to give clients confidence in choosing the right foods for their body, uses functional testing and other cutting-edge technologies to uncover underlying imbalances, and provides them with the tools they need to navigate their unique needs so they can always get the results they want. And without further delay, here is that interview with Andrea. Andrea, welcome to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. We're going to talk all about holistic health and holistic nutrition. And I think this is a super exciting topic to talk about, and I cannot wait to delve right in. But before we get there, Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be a practitioner of this? Yeah, thanks so much, Michelle. This is I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, thanks so much, so much for having me. Um, yeah, so I got into this field like a lot of practitioners because of my own health journey. Mm-hmm. I was baffled by some of the things I was doing. I was totally confused by which diet plan was right and what I should be doing or what I should be avoiding. You know, if you watch the news every week, something is the superfood and then the next week it's poison. And it just was so confusing to me. And I had gone through years and years and years of following kind of that, you know, government advice or standard advice or low calorie, low fat, calorie tracking, macro tracking. I had, I felt like I had done it all. Mm -hmm. And all it did was leave me more confused. You know, it would maybe work for a little while and then totally quit working. So I had done all the things. I ultimately ended up even transitioning to a vegetarian diet, trying to be as clean as possible and realizing that I hadn't felt great eating meat. I felt really heavy and weighed down and sluggish and just bleh. And so I transitioned to mostly vegetarian. I never went the full vegan route, but I did 
you know, stop eating most meat. And again, it worked for a little while and then it didn't. Mm-hmm. And I ended up actually worse. I ended up with really bad bloating and my muscles were so stiff and sore that I actually had to quit working out. Like every everything was just falling apart and it made no sense to me because I couldn't eat any cleaner. This was not a Doritos and Oreos kind of vegetarian diet. This was whole, fresh, organic vegetables and good oils and, you know, healthy things, it made no sense to me. And so that's what really took me down the path of holistic health is really trying to understand what in the world was going on in my body and why all of this seemingly good advice and seemingly healthy food wasn't working for me. Like I, I needed answers. And so that's what started my quest. That's amazing. And I think so many listeners can relate to that story. I know I certainly have. I think everything that you've tried, uh, I've tried too, including the vegetarian diet. I even did try vegan um, for a little while. You know, I, I I tried it all and nothing ever worked longer than, you know, maybe, maybe a few months. And I felt better with some ways of eating and worse with other ways of eating, but nothing ever actually made me feel good. So I would I would love to I would love to know how you found the answers for yourself. But before we get there, can we talk about what holistic health really is? Yeah. So to me, what that means is we're taking the whole you into account. We're taking the whole person, how you feel, what you like, what you dislike, what symptoms are you dealing with? What is it that you actually want? Mm hmm. As a practitioner, I can want all kinds of things for you because I know it's possible, but you have to want it. Mm -hmm. It has to be in alignment with you. It has to be something that's a priority to you. So really it's taking your entire life, your entire body, your emotional, you know, well-being, all of those things. It's taking all of the account, all of that into account. And so throughout that, we're looking at nutrition. What are you eating? When are you eating? How much are you eating? Mm-hmm. We're also looking at, you know, do you need nutritional supplementation? Are there things that are just either lacking in your diet or maybe genetically you just don't absorb those very well or you need a higher level of them, those kinds of things. Um, we're also looking at, you know, overall lifestyle. Are you exercising? Are you over-exercising? Yeah. Stress and all of the different forms of stress, not just the things we think about like work stress and relationships and finances, finances, but also toxins, mm-hmm. infections, mm-hmm. causes of inflammation, blood sugar imbalances. That's a huge stressor in the body. So we're looking at all of those things. We're also looking at sleep. Are you getting adequate quality and quantity of sleep? Do you feel rested? Is it working for you? Mm-hmm. Are you sleeping at your your best times? Those kinds of things. So it's really taking into account the whole you, mm-hmm. the physical body, the biology, as well as the mental side. You know, we have to work on those sneaky thoughts that take us down bad paths and yes, all right? those bad habits that recur. Yes. Those sneaky thoughts are so often talked yeah. about in this podcast. And yeah. I love, I love this whole concept of holistic health. And I think it's important to talk about because when I have casual conversations with other women about this, 
I feel as if it's just easier for people to just look at the nutrition. Like what they want is for somebody to just tell them how they should eat to feel good and meet their health goals and lose weight if that's what they want and just do that and be done with it without taking into context this very messy life that we live in, right? And it's most of the symptoms I think that we experience in our body all are multifactorial. It's not just the diet. It is also the sleep and the other exposures that we encounter and and our genetics and the epigenetics that go around, you know, with all of that and the status of our microbiome and all of these other things are so important. But where does one where does one start? Because as I as I listened to you describe that, I started to feel a little bit overwhelmed. So how how if you want to take a holistic approach to your health, where do you start? I think the first step is really just take stock. Mm-hmm. You know, look at all of those aspects of your life. This doesn't have to be a complicated process. And I get that that does sound really overwhelming. It sounds like you're going to have to change everything in your whole life. And that's just really not true. But I think we have to take stock of where we're at first. You know, how well are you sleeping? How well do you feel rested? What does your diet consist of? Mm -hmm. Are you getting any movement at all? Do you you think you're overtraining or undertraining or, you know, not getting anything at all? Like I just take inventory of what's going on in your life. And then I think you can find just little things that move the needle. Mm Mm-hmm. So it may be you're not doing any exercise at all. Maybe you just commit to going for a walk every day. Like that's a simple thing. You don't have to go for a marathon. You don't have to do, you know, anything huge, but maybe you just commit to one little thing in a couple of different areas. You don't have to rehaul everything all at once, Sure. but yeah. just pick a couple of things. And those could be the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest things that you're like, yeah, I could stop drinking soda or I could, you know, just whatever the easy thing is. Or it could be the thing that you're like, if I stopped doing that one thing, or if I started doing that one thing, it would make all the difference. Like, so you can kind of look at it, whatever works best for you. Mm-hmm. But I think just start somewhere. Start somewhere. Yeah. Pick something. Yeah. And I, I love that concept of the data collection as well. You know, like just, just taking stock because we all know that awareness is always the first step. And I think, I think sometimes we get tunnel visioned when it comes to to our health and we pick our thing right for some women it's the food for some women it's the exercise you know for some women it's it's managing stress or whatever right and and so i think sitting down and taking that broader view of all these different domains is a great place to start for any sort of change absolutely yeah, yeah i also think if you've done that and you you're like no really there's nothing else i can do here Like I'm already eating really clean. I'm already working out appropriately. I'm already focusing on sleep. I'm all like, if you're, if you're looking, if you're at that point and you're like, but I still have this thing, or I still don't feel great, or I'm still tired every day. Like if you're still Mm -hmm. struggling with something and you're just, you're already doing all the things and you literally can't find anything to try. That's where I think bringing an outside perspective in can be helpful. Because, you know, it's really easy to look at other people and go, oh, well, hello, just do this. Like we can all see it in other people, but we do lose it in ourselves. Yeah. And I think also because some of the rules that we think 
are true, (laughs) we don't necessarily question because, you know, we've, we, we've decided, you know, well, you know, of course I can't eat carbs or, you know, of course I must exercise two hours a day or, you know, whatever it is. We have these ideas that maybe feel a little bit non-negotiable because that's what we've been taught by, by whomever media, government, our doctors, you know, what, what not. And I think that's another reason why having that outside coach or practitioner can be, you know, so helpful to point out where those little blind spots of ours are. Agreed. Yeah. And then that also gets you access in some ways to things like functional testing where Mm -hmm. you, you know, sometimes even a practitioner is going to be like, I don't really know. There's clearly an imbalance there, but it's not a physical. I can see you're doing this thing wrong or you're, Mm -hmm. you've got that boundary. Like you talked about, you've got this rule that you believe you have to do a certain way. Sometimes there's just hidden imbalances in the body. Maybe you have a hidden infection. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do have a blood sugar issue that you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have an adrenal health issue or a thyroid imbalance or, you know, these kinds of things that sometimes testing is the piece that gives you that solid data of like, oh, well, no wonder nothing's working. Right. And then right. you can targeted approach that thing. So exactly. I think yeah. there's a lot of different avenues here, but a lot of times it just start with the things that you're like, nah, I already know I need to do that. Mm-hmm. And when those things no longer work or when that's not working the way you think it should, bringing in outside professionals can really make it go faster. Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. And so how was your journey throughout all of this? Yeah. So I went through all of those different diet plans, all of the different trial and error. Ultimately, when I kind of turned more to the holistic approach, I did do the testing because I was completely fed up. I had done everything I could possibly think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to your point, I did have some of those things that I believed were true in my life that sure. were all in my head that were yeah. not real rules that we all must follow. So there were certainly things that I was not doing correctly that through this journey, I learned and I've now unwound and changed. But the functional testing really was the big key for me because I did have those hidden imbalances. I was lacking in particular nutrients. My digestive system was a disaster. I had very low bacterial populations. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of pathogens present. I I just, it wasn't working well. I was low in digestive enzymes, low in stomach acid, just all the things. And if you're not properly digesting your food, even if you don't have overt digestive symptoms, which at the time I would not have considered myself to have mm-hmm. digestive problems. I mean, I had bloating and stuff, but it, I just chalked it up to normal you know, this is normal. It wasn't anything that was like debilitating or painful or, you know, it was just annoying. I just chalked it up to being normal and I didn't like it, but Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't have considered myself to having these problems. It's when I look back, I'm like, Oh my, my gut was a mess. And I just chalked it up to being normal. So isn't it amazing how many things we chalk up to being normal? Yeah. Yeah. We get so used to feeling terrible that we don't even recognize how terrible we feel. Yeah. Yeah. And when you finally fix that, sometimes you can look back and go, whoa, that has a huge difference. And other times you're, you don't even realize how good you're starting to feel until you slip up and like a holiday happens or a vacation or whatever, and you go off track and you feel really bad. And you're like, wow, how did I live like this every day? So, you know, there's a couple of ways to get awareness there, but amazing. So once I knew what was actually happening in my body, then I was able to really repair those imbalances and get everything actually functioning properly. And then it was the mindset stuff. I really had to retrain. You know, I had to let go of like fat is bad 
and mm-hmm. all carbs are this or that, or like I had to let go of some of those, those rules that I had put in my own life around food mm-hmm. and how often I needed to be eating and like just all of those you know, parameters that I thought I had to follow or I'd gain all the weight back or I'd, you know, go backwards. So I, it, for me, it was a little bit of both. I really did have to fix the biology, fix the the things that were going on in my body that were not just going to go away on their own. Mm-hmm. They, they did need some intervention. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, not pharmaceutical intervention, but they did need some strategic intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really changing those mindsets and changing my beliefs around what it meant to be healthy. I didn't need to work out 60 minutes a day. I didn't need to do high intensity workouts. I didn't need to constantly be upping my workout load. I didn't need to be, you know, following these strict food rules. Like, so I had to unwind all those stories. Yeah, of course. And I think it's important to note out that, you know, you made changes in response to the results of your functional testing and the imbalances that were specific to your body. This wasn't a prescription that somebody gave you. Right. And I, I, yeah, I think it's important to, to clarify that. And I, I don't know if you know this, Andrea, but I'm a physician as well. And I notice um, emergency medicine, so um, not necessarily related to this, but I noticed that there is definitely a trend of people monitoring their blood sugar levels at home, even when they don't have um, um, diabetes, like lots of people are coming in and this is just something they do. And I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about that, because I'm sure, you know, listeners are having friends or seeing this, you know, happen and, and have some questions as to why it might be useful for us to do that. Yeah, I am a huge fan of this. I think this is a hidden epidemic that people really need to be more aware of. I think blood sugar imbalances are one of those things that people aren't, it's not even on their radar because they think it's just about diabetes. Mm -hmm. And while that's obviously the most clear example of blood sugar imbalance, it really impacts so many other people. I had it. I I didn't have diabetes, but I had insulin resistance. That was mm-hmm. one of the things that was uncovered in my original functional testing. Mm-hmm. My insulin levels were really high. My A1C was climbing. My fasting blood sugars were climbing. And the reason I think this is such a hidden epidemic is it doesn't cause any overt symptoms. Mm-hmm. The only way to know if you have high blood sugars is to test. Mm-hmm. It ultimately leads to other problems. It leads to, you know, atherosclerosis and, you know, diabetes risk and all kinds of problems throughout the body, but you you don't feel it. It's not like you're jittery or tired or, you know, gaining 10 pounds in two days or, you know, there's no obvious, oh, my blood sugar's high without testing. The only way to know is testing. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of ways to do this testing, but that is the only way to know for sure. And Mm -hmm. so I think there is a trend in people as availability of these technologies has improved it more and more people are testing that for themselves, either with a finger stick glucometer, there's some utility to urine sticks, but maybe less so, but then there's continuous glucose monitors and there's, there's Lumen devices and, you know, these breath things that you can test for various things. And so I think that the technology is getting more widely available and therefore more widely known that I think people are are becoming more aware of just how big of an issue this really is. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think my medical colleagues may disagree with what I'm about to say, but but I, I actually think it is important um, to do this. Mm-hmm. I saw my family physician, you know, some, some time ago, maybe six months ago, um, and I asked him to do an insulin level. And this is not something, I'm, I'm also in Canada. So in Canada, this is not something that um, doctors will routinely um, offer. Um, but, you know, because I'm a colleague and I had an interest, you know, he, he, he did this for me. And my sugar levels are were fine. My my A1C is good, but I am um, hyperinsulinemic. My 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 insulin levels are high, suggesting that I am insulin resistant. And if I think about how what percentage of the population that we know is either diabetic or pre-diabetic, the number of people who are in that pre-pre-diabetic diabetic state is probably astronomical. And we can pre- prevent so much, um, you know, chronic disease um, if we are able to catch this, you know, a little bit, a little bit earlier. So this is something that I've been doing, you know, for myself um, as well. And I, I, you know, I'm actually, um, a proponent for for people doing this. Yeah, I agree. I think that your example is exactly why I get so frustrated with the conventional medical model mm-hmm. because your pattern is exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Insulin is the first of those markers to elevate. Mm-hmm. But almost no doctors will order this test. Yeah. It's not an expensive test. It is not an expensive test. And yet they refuse to order it. And so to me, this is one of those things that I, it just drives me crazy. If me, if if I'm a patient and I want this information, I should be able to get this information about myself. Mm -hmm. If, especially if I'm willing to pay for it, if -hmm. I'm not expecting my insurance to pay for it, like why, who should deny this? It frustrates the crap out of me, but. Agreed. And, you know, I realized that I was in a privileged position (laughs) as a physician to advocate for myself to get this done. Um, But, but, you know, it, it, it is correct. And I mean, the good news is I talk so much about this, that my colleagues are now asking me like what, how, because, you know, it's because we don't order the test, we don't know how to interpret the test and we don't understand what to do with that information. And so we just don't order it. Right. That's right. That's kind of what happens in the in the medical mind. But I, I would love to ask, you know, a personal question for myself is what would one do if your insulin level is high, but your sugars are looking OK? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I generally recommend. Um, number one is obviously keep stock of those carbohydrates because that's the thing that moves the blood sugar the most. So even though your blood sugar is in the normal range right now, that just means that your insulin is still keeping it where it should be, Mm -hmm. but it still requires insulin. Every time you consume, you know, higher carbohydrates, it's requiring that insulin to do more of it, to have a bigger job. Mm -hmm. So the more you can keep that carbohydrate level you know, controlled and really focus on whatever carbohydrates you are consuming, those complex carbohydrates, the really good starchy or starchy and non-starchy veggies, those kinds of things, as opposed to the grains and refined carbs. Sure. So that would be kind of the first, the biggest lever is controlling that carbohydrate. You could, I mean, to to change it the fastest would be obviously like the carb, the ketogenic diet or something really extreme that would bring it down the fastest because that's an extremely low carbohydrate diet. Mm-hmm. Not everyone needs to go that far, but that carbohydrate lever is the biggest mover in that. The second thing I would say is is intermittent fasting. The the more you can be fasting, ever, when you're not busy digesting, your body doesn't need to produce as much insulin. 
Mm-hmm. And so you can really bring that down just naturally. You know, the yeah. less often you're eating, the less often your body has to release insulin. Right. So no snacking, you know, those kinds of things, just eating less mm-hmm. often, really focusing on meals. And then the third piece is the one that I think is not talked about enough, and that's stress. Uh, of course. Yeah. Because when we are in a stressed state, our body is releasing sugar. Mm-hmm. Yes. Biologically, your body is perceiving a threat that it's going to need added energy to flee or fight or do something about. That's not most of our stress today. Most of us are sitting and stewing in our worry and in our, you know, we're sitting in the same spot, just stewing in it. Yeah. So we don't actually need that blood sugar to fly, to, you know, flee from the danger or to fight it off. But that's biology. It's going to release this blood sugar no matter what. So that's independent of what you're eating. You could be in a completely fasted state and have really high blood sugars because of stress. Right. And I can imagine as an emergency physician, yep. you have well, some of that. You, you, oh, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, especially this day and age. Let me yeah. tell you. Um, but it's, it's so, it is so true. As I, I actually do engage in intermittent fasting, I find that it helps me with all sorts of different things. If I do it in certain ways, other ways doesn't work so, so much for me. But, you know, I have many clients that are also often complaining about how much weight they gain when they go on vacation and eat all the things. It's the opposite for me. I go on vacation and I always come home 10 pounds lighter. And I'm certain it's because my stress is gone for that period of time. And when you take away um, my stress, everything else just falls into place. And my body knows exactly what it needs to do (laughs) to, to, to keep me healthy. So I think that's like such an important point to emphasize just how, how much stress influences our, our sugar homeostasis in the body for sure. And you can directly see that with continuous glucose monitors, Mm -hmm. even like watching a scary movie. I've seen countless examples of people who are not eating, who haven't eaten in hours, sitting quietly on the couch, and they have this huge spike because of some scary thing they saw on TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it'll go up to like 200 from 90. Yeah. Like just Mm -hmm. astronomical spike with no food intake, (laughs) nothing. And every, it it doesn't matter where that sugar comes from. If you're releasing it, then you're also releasing insulin to bring it back down because the high sugar is toxic. So -hmm. the body's going to release insulin to bring that back down. But insulin is a fat storage hormone. It is. So it doesn't just put that sugar back into sugar. It converts it to fat. It sure does. Right? Yeah. So it's a big deal. Certainly not talked about enough. The other thing that I would love to ask about, because we hear it all the time now, is the microbiome. Like this, this is such a hot, a hot topic. I have a question. I have a question about the microbiomes. When we when we talk about probiotics, if you take them, my medical mind wants to say that when we take a, 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 a probiotic, those bacteria should flourish in our intestines, meaning we shouldn't have to take them every day. So is there actually a benefit in taking the probiotic, or should we do be doing something different to change the environment in our intestines? I think there's a lot, there's a lot here and it's, there's no simple answer. Unfortunately, I think there are great benefits to probiotics. There's a lot of different kinds of probiotics. Mm -hmm. So there's spore-based probiotics versus the just straight living bacteria that aren't in a spore form. The spore form generally get through the stomach acid better 
because that's the spore is a really tight kernel that protects them so they can get through to the intestine. However, a lot of those strains don't actually take up, they don't live in the colon. They kind of just transit through, which sounds like, well, then what's the point if they don't actually stay put? But when they go through the system, they actually clean it up and repair damage and kind of fix the terrain to make it like a happy home for all the other bacteria. So that's actually a really good thing. The other ones that are not spore forming, typically a lot of them do die off in the stomach, which also seems like, well, then what's the point if they're Mm -hmm. going through dead? There's actually been some studies that have shown completely dead probiotics still have benefit, even though they're not alive. So they're clearly not going to colonize. They're clearly not going to stay in your gut because they're dead, Mm -hmm. but they still provide benefit as they go through. They help clean stuff out. They help the whole digestive system function. So there's a lot of stuff still being learned. There's mm-hmm. a lot of you know research still happening, but there is tremendous benefit. And I personally think there's great benefit in, obviously it depends on what you're dealing with. If you're dealing with an acute or a chronic issue that you're trying to re- reverse, there might be a completely different strategy. If you have a pathogen, if you have a parasite, those kinds of things, that, there might be a little bit more nuance to this that you need beyond sure. just a probiotic. But when it comes to probiotics, I'm a big fan of rotating through different kinds. So there's there's some that are more yeast-based. There's some that are bacterial-based. There's bacteriophages. There's all kinds of different kinds of probiotics or, or microbial supports. And then outside of even pills, there's fermented foods sure. and cultured foods. So there's your true fermented sauerkrauts and kimchi and cultured yogurts and kefirs and those kinds of things. So I think there's a lot of different strategies you can do. Unfortunately, just simply popping a probiotic alone isn't probably going to fix if you've got intestinal damage, if you've Mm -hmm. got leaky gut, if you've got, you know, any of these bigger conditions, that alone is probably not enough. Just because, you know, one probiotic can't fix everything. So I think there's benefit in rotating through different kinds I think there's benefits sometimes in even not taking them for a while and just kind of seeing how your body reacts if you if you know you can maintain that population. I don't think everybody necessarily needs them forever. Sure. I think some people do. Some people just for whatever reason their gut doesn't retain things very well and they do kind of have to keep repopulating that population. So I think there's a lot of nuance here and that's that's again one of the big reasons why I'm a big fan of functional testing because we sure. can evaluate directly what your microbial population looks like and what your intestinal health looks like. Right. We can look at your gut immunity and your inflammation and your digestive enzymes and how well you're breaking down fats mm-hmm. and yeah. all of those kinds of things so that we're not just guessing. We're not just throwing a probiotic at you hoping it fixes it, but we're mm-hmm. actually addressing whatever your situation is. Yeah, that that's amazing. Thank you for that. I have been asking many people <laughs> this question and that 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 answer actually really really helps me. So, so thanks a lot for that. You you mentioned one strategy of of being alternating through different types of microbial support and that just br- brings to mind this concept of variety and how important is variety overall in terms of our holistic health. Oh, I think it's huge in pretty much every way. You know, we, we've we all known that like with workouts, if you do the same workout over and over and over again, it eventually, you no longer get results from it. Mm-hmm. The same concept applies with your diet. 
you know, if you eat the exact same six foods all the time, you're not getting any nutrients that aren't in those six foods. Mm -hmm. And your body just kind of loses its ability to use those nutrients as well. So I think we need, we need dietary variety. We need exercise variety. Sleep is one I don't know that we necessarily need to play with. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any benefit in sleep deprivation. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't yeah, think there's yeah. any benefit in that. I think stress management techniques can vary a little bit. You know, sometimes you do just mm-hmm. need to chill and read a book or take a bath. Mm-hmm. But I think there's other times where it's like, no, I need to go do some fun things. I need to go like work out aggression. Like there's a lot of different variety of, you know, stress management techniques too. And then I think when it comes to things like supplementation, probiotics, those kinds of things, I think there's good benefit in going on and off, mixing things up, trying different brands, trying different, you know, liquid versus capsules. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of different things we can play with. A, that helps you figure out what works best for you, Mm -hmm. either what you just are more likely to stick with, but also where you feel the best. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's good benefit in kind of pulsing on and off of things and pushing the envelope just a little bit you know, we grow, we improve, we get stronger with challenge. Mm-hmm, and so like take hunger, for example, if we allow ourselves to feel hunger, not like serious starvation, but just feel hunger for a while, we get more in touch with what that feels like. Yeah. What true cool. physical hunger feels like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like cold and hot exposure makes us more resilient. It makes, it boosts our immune system. Mm-hmm. All of these kind of physical challenges make us stronger. And so just just a little bit, you know, they do this a lot in pharmacological research where they actually push you to the toxic line and then bring you back. And that that makes you stronger, makes the the whole organism stronger. And so I think we can apply that same hormetic stress is what they call it, where it's a temporary stressor that's a good thing because it makes you stronger, mm-hmm. just like a workout. Mm-hmm. I think we can use that to our advantage in all areas of our lives with the exception of maybe sleep. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. And so keeping in mind that the habits that you do for yourself are for you and your body and your your health. Can you tell us though, what what are some of the habits that you engage in on a daily basis to keep yourself healthy? Yeah, I, there's a couple things. Um, you know, there's all the obvious things that I'll not talk about because you know everyone knows you focus on eating healthy and of those course. kinds of things. But I do, I do move my body every day, so mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a formal workout. It, I don't go to a gym. I do my workouts here at home, so I do move every day. So that could be a, a regular workout, lifting or cardio or you know yoga or whatever. I do a lot of walking outside. Um, nature, sunshine, fresh air, all of those things are absolutely critical. Even when it's cold outside, Mm -hmm. I go out, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I do love outdoor sports. I live in Colorado, so I ski, you know, I do those kinds of things in the summer. We golf, my husband and I do lots of home projects. So we're outside and inside and all the things we stay really active. We're not TV people. We don't Mm -hmm. sit and just lounge all the time. We, we maybe turn the TV on for an hour, not even every day. Like we're just not, we don't sit on the couch and, and watch TV. So we're active um, when we are sitting, because obviously we're going to do that at some point. Um, it's a lot of reading or learning or those kinds of things. So keeping the mind active and then really prioritizing rest, true rest, not just sleep. But we all think, you know, sitting on the TV or sitting on the couch and watching TV is restful, but is it really? 
your mind is still active, especially if you're watching something suspenseful or dramatic or negative. Mm-hmm. All that stuff's getting in your mind and it's not really restful. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to prioritize true rest, true downtime, where you can let your brain decompress, let your body decompress, you know, not be busy digesting and all of those kinds of things. Um, I've really worked hard on hydration. That one did not come naturally to me, drinking water. It's not that I didn't like it. I just (laughs) would go all day without really drinking anything. Like I didn't have to substitute, you know, soda for, or substitute for soda. I did at one point back in my history, but I just, we used to go through the day without really drinking anything. I'd have coffee in the morning and then nothing. And that was kind of my natural state. So I've really worked hard at focusing on drinking more water, being more hydrated, so I think those are those are kind of the big ones. And then just prioritizing doing things that make me happy. Mm-hmm. Doing things that bring me joy. Yeah. You know, really spending time with my husband, spending time with my dog, you know, doing things that we love to do all the time, every day. Be sure you're laughing. Do things that make you happy. That's one of the best stress management and stress reduction processes mm-hmm. you can do if that's art for you if that's crafts if that's music if that's dancing if that's i don't care if it's your hobby if you rebuild cars like whatever it is i don't care what it is whatever brings you joy do it every day yeah i couldn't agree with that more i actually think the combination of those two things is allowing more rest and doing things that bring you joy every day if we actually as as a whole community, we're able to do that every day, we would solve so many problems, not just in our body, but in our communities as well. I think, yeah, I I think that those are are so important. And, you know, people often roll their eyes when I when I talk about the importance of these things, because who has time and the kids have activities and my boss is demanding and, you know, all these, you know, excuses come come flowing out. But I think the magic is really in slowing down and allowing some time for this. And it doesn't have to be hours every day. It just has to be part of the day right absolutely yeah agreed um all right andrea this has been such a wonderful conversation um i understand that you have both a podcast and a book where people can learn more about this do you want to tell us about that yeah everything i put out you can find on my website that's the easiest place to go so healthylifewithandrea.com you can link to my podcast from there you can link to my book from there it's just a little book um but it covers a lot of the stuff we talked about today, why variation is so important. Um, I'm also in the process of creating a brand new free group that will not be on social media. So we can Yay. talk about all things that are not censored and restricted and all the things. Um, and my email list is also that way. I I send out a lot of stuff that no one can tell me what I can and can't say. So you get right. some insider yeah. information there. Um, so those are the best ways. Of course, if you're interested in working with me, you can always book a consultation with me on there. I have a 45 minute free consultation available as well. That sounds amazing. Thank you. And Andrea, do you have any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with listeners today? Yeah, no, I would just say, be your best advocate. If you're dealing with anything, whatever it is, a symptom, a missing element in your life, whatever it is, keep fighting for yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to your your one doctor who's like, nope, everything's fine. You're normal. 
Mm-hmm. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to your family who might be telling you you're doing the wrong things or your coworker who doesn't agree with the plan. Like, don't listen to other people. If you in your heart know something isn't as good as it could be, keep fighting. Be mm-hmm. your best advocate. Get other opinions. Keep researching. Yeah. Stick with it. I think that is brilliant advice. And I think I may even do a podcast episode on how to advocate for yourself, yeah. um, particularly with doctors who may be resistant to, to some of the things that you're requesting. I think I think that would be great. So thank you so much for that, Andrea. Of course. All right. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. All right, Andrea, thank you so much for that informative interview. Listeners, if you are interested in learning more about Andrea, please head on over to her website, www.healthylifewithandrea.com. And on her website there, you can schedule yourself a free 45-minute consultation. And you can also join her email list on her website, as well as listen to her own podcast, Holistic Health Bites. We'll have all of this information in the show notes for you. So if you'd like to connect with Andrea, the information will be there for you. All right. That is what we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll touch base again together next week. Bye for now.